This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Lowe's knows you'll do it right. And do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tile starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Pavali, coming at you with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, can bench-press more than Mike Bibby, co-host, uh. Andrew D. <laughs> Bailey. Before we get started, I just want to remind, implore beg, plead with everyone to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We very much appreciate when we see those numbers go up. It helps us to let us know. It helps to let us know that you're listening by leaving a review. Uh, Andy and I really do get all giggly whenever we see the numbers of the reviews increase. Please continue doing that. It'll take 10 to 15 seconds out of your day. You can also find us everywhere else where you might listen to your podcast with the exception of Spotify at the moment. Subscribe to us there, wherever you get your podcasts, listen to us. We appreciate that as well. You can also still get 15% off at the MBA math shop. That's mbamath.com slash shop promo code Benno B E N O spelled exactly like it sounds. And that should be easy enough to remember if you listen to us at all. With that said, we have mailbag questions today. Tons of them. You guys were great. But before we get there, we have to ask the other question that everyone's dying to know the answer to. Andy, can you really bench press more than the new look Mike Bibby? <laughs> um, I'm going to say there's a 0% chance of that. All right. I, I haven't even lifted weights like in a gym, uh, I don't know, f- five or six years probably. <laughs> it's been a long time. How are you gonna and get make, that jazz camp invite if you don't if you don't start? I that? don't know. That's a that is a great question. I'm gonna have to step it up. Um they just opened a Planet Fitness here in Cheyenne, so maybe I'll hook that up. Although they say there's no grunting there, you get kicked out, so I probably last like thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I could never do I shouldn't say I could never, but I'm just not a fan of gyms like waiting for machines or oh i hate the gym i hate it the bigger thing for me though is like the just the drive like unless it's around the corner from my house i'm looking at 20 minutes each way it's like 40 minutes of my day yeah that's bad right now workout for me is 
about a half hour drive, but it's up into the mountains and it's a really nice trail that I go to, to run. And I have to listen to these stupid bar prep videos while I run. But, um, How do you do that? I've started like running in addition to weight training. Cause I found it like, I just need to exhaust myself. So it's like my therapy, I call it now, but I don't know how people listen to podcasts or stuff like just stuff that's generally conversational when they're running. Like I need to have music on like angry emo music, like to keep going. <laughs> podcasts uh, before I had to start doing the bar stuff. Podcast was like the only way I could run actually, because it, I felt like it kept my mind engaged on something other than how much I hated running. I'll and now give it another shot then. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do with the bar prep stuff, but now it's two activities that I'm not particularly fond of. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the way that I've exercised for years. It's like the only place I can run. If I try to run in town, it's just miserable for some reason. Well, I mean, if you have like good scenic views, I could see it being a better experience. I'm gonna have to give the podcast thing another shot, though. I will not be giving the bar prep. <laughs> no, I would I would not recommend that if you don't have to. Um, so I have a generalized question uh, to start a mailbag off that I think is a good launching point. It comes from TJ Morrison at TJ underscore Morrison seven one four. When are we going to start seeing teams move players around? Um. So I think we I mean, we've talked about this in text messages i feel like the very latest will be on draft night i think things will officially start happening then but the reason i kind of hesitated is i was thinking about how much different this offseason is because player movement isn't going to be predominantly free agency just because there's not enough cap space for it to be that mode so i think there are going to have to be a lot more trades I'm sure several front offices have been going back and forth with each other already. I think technically you can start trading like as soon as the finals are over, right? Yeah. So I'm sure teams are already engaged in discussions and I would say the absolute latest we'll see like actual current players moved will be on draft night. I almost, I almost feel like the earliest we'll see it is on draft night or the day before draft night. I'm just, can you think of what were the moves last year of actual players? Even the Celtics, Lakers, uh, Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, Sixers trade with the Fultz and Tatum swap didn't involve actual players. And yeah, I, it does seem like recently it's been more pick for pick. Um, but I just think that this year there's they, they have to have more trades if they're going to. You don't think Dude, it's an issue percent. though of before these like huge moves go down that people want to wait and see where LeBron That's true ends too. up. Well, the other thing is that maybe there are some rumors right now. We know that the Grizzlies, for Michael Scotto of the Athletic, want to get rid of Chandler Parsons. Maybe yeah. something like that could happen. That type of salary dump. I just almost kind of feel like the player movement's really going to pick up after the draft because we'll see because of the cap space famine that you referenced before we're going to see more sign in trades maybe uh, i shouldn't even say more we're going to see sign in trades make an actual comeback or even like opt-ins and trades you look at deandre jordan's player option lebron james's player option maybe the bucks look at sign and trading jabari if he costs too much money 
And a lot of that stuff to me feels like it'll happen after the draft. But I hope I hope you're right because trades make draft night so much more interesting. And I shouldn't say we had the Jimmy Butler trade last draft night. That totally slipped. Oh, that's true. That totally yeah. slipped my mind. So they do happen, and they make the draft better because otherwise you're just watching it unfold on Woj's and Shams' timelines. I'm very yeah. interested to see what, what Woj is allowed to do, though, during the draft this year. Is this the first year with ESPN? Because he went right after the draft, I guess, huh? Right. I feel like he started ESPN just before free agency yeah. last year. You can't. <laughs> I would be stunned if they want him preempting the picks still. It just Twitter is such a big medium for this stuff now. The alternative would be just letting Shams beat him to the news. Yeah, that's true. They'll have him on the studio show too, I would think, right? Yeah. He'll be there. Can he just – that would be – Super stressful, but they should just have him on TV announcing the picks before they happen. That would get people to tune in. <laughs> the NBA would be pissed about that, I would think. That's funny. Um, who do you think is going to take advantage of that Chandler Parsons in number four offer, if that's really what's out there? I don't... I mean... I feel like... Was it you who posted the Clippers one? Yeah, so I wrote about it, and then the rumor broke. If the Clippers gave, and I did a slightly adjusted version of it, but if the Clippers gave the Grizzlies Sam Decker, um, Sam Decker, Tobias Harris, Patrick Beverly, numbers 12 and 13, and then you get Parsons in number four, with the assumption being you then are able to draft Luka Doncic there. If, I, I think if you, I could talk myself into the Clippers removing Beverly, including Johnson's expiring deal, and the Grizzlies still saying yes. I think, so that one just all depends on how far Luca falls, I guess. You just <laughs> are waiting to see if he's there at four and then pull the trigger. Well, some people pointed out that the Clippers would do it even if Jaron Jackson Jr. was available. And the assumption to me would be that at least one of them will be there. We've seen Jokic yeah. fall down, draft boards everywhere, and it seems kind of, consensus that Bagley and and uh Aiton of course are going to go in in the top three I I kind of struggle to find other teams because I, I think there are squads that would do it but let's say a, a team like the Hawks they'd probably do it but are they going to give you anything of value in return they're obviously not going to give you the number three pick but are they gonna are they willing to give up value because the Grizzlies are going to also want value in this trade. It's not just a, hey, let's salary dump Chandler Parsons, because that doesn't leave you sitting pretty on the cap space front. It makes it easier, and you're probably under the cap, but you're not all of a sudden this hot-button free agent destination. It'd be wild if Atlanta somehow wound up with three and four. Well, this just, as you said that, Bleacher Report's Jonathan Wasserman tweeted that the Hawks are now on the list of teams who's, who've had conversations about the possibility of trading down. It's just oh, seems, trading down. Interesting. That's like typical. This is all typical. Yeah, like pre-draft leading, stuff. Yeah, pre-draft frenzies. Though I feel like we. That's probably true. The only team we really haven't heard up. I mean, we haven't really heard about the Kings being willing to trade down, have we? They've just had that report from Sam Amick of USA Today that they're interested in Michael Porter Jr. at number two, which would lead you to believe that they're they would explore trading down because most of the mock drafts I see have him going seven or eight. Yeah, that's early for him, I would think. Um, that's just an aside. I don't, the 
Doncic slipping stuff has been so weird to me too. I don't understand it. I can't. Cole Zewicker is going to come on early next week. He is letting us bother him right up before the draft, and I just want to ask him like WTF. It, it is bizarre. The thing that I don't understand either is he's being he like this is a the, the criticism. So here's where it boils down to me: the criticism on him is basically a lack of explosion for uh, and foot speed for a lead ball handling wing. Fine, whatever. He's a freaking lead ball handling wing, which is essentially the building block prototype for today's game. And to make it even more bizarre, he's being leapfrogged by bigs who don't necessarily thrive defending in space, protecting the rim, creating offense off the dribble, and stroking threes. There are guys in front of him who do some combination of that. I don't think there's no big in front of Donkish right now that you look at and say, he does all of that. Yeah. Jaron Jackson Jr. would be closest for me, and he's not even ahead of him in all the mock drafts. Some people have him sliding to number five in Dallas after the Grizzlies take him at four. The only thing I can think of, and Kevin O'Connor kind of alluded to this on the Ringer podcast like a day or two ago, is maybe these teams think the positionless thing is just a phase and it's going to be out in four or five years. And if you have a dominant big man, you're going to be at the wave of like the next change in the game. That just kind of shows you the demographic that's in charge of NBA teams. Just these old white yeah. dudes. Because <laughs> I would agree with that. I'm, I, I don't see... I think we might lean more into positionless basketball over the next like five or six years to the point where we might even get rid of the positional distinctions. I hope we get rid of the positional distinctions. Uh, yeah, my, no, no matter my what dream type is of to game just put your, yeah, just put your five best guys out there and play. And I think th- I think we'll get closer and closer to that. Now, um, Bo Estes from NBA TV was he, he responded to a tweet of mine recently, and he said, "Positionless is fine until we get like a seven foot five Shaquille O'Neal," and. That's probably true. I mean, you never know what sort of player can come along and revolutionize things. We didn't really, I don't think anybody saw Stephen Curry coming along and completely changing the game the way that he did. So there are unexpected things that happen in the NBA every once in a while. And I'm sure, you know, that'll happen again. But right now I'm... Mirai is Japanese for the future. And in the future, your commute will be less expensive because now you can get a special lease on a Toyota Mirai. Powered by hydrogen, it emits only water. And Toyota will cover three years worth of your fuel costs up to $15,000. You'll also get three years no-cost scheduled maintenance, HOV lane access, and may be eligible for a $5,000 state rebate. The future sounds pretty good, huh? Get your special lease on a Mirai today. See San Francisco Toyota or click the banner for details. Toyota, let's go places. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right too by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. All in on positionless, and I think Luca fits that so, so well. I'm totally with you there. Before I we have you give us another mailbag question, I have my own question for you. Which team do you think is most likely to make a move on or before draft night? 
Um, I'll say the Clippers, just because I think the those back-to-back picks at the end of the lottery are nice for being able to move up. I've seen a lot of the other fan bases on Twitter saying, you know, put up a Twitter poll or something like that saying, would you do this deal? And it's like some late first round pick and scraps trying to move up and get number four. Um, do you know what someone responded not, to me with the Clippers trade? Yeah. What's that? Said just numbers 12 and 13. The rest is too much. <laughs> they don't want to give the Grizzlies Bever. First of all, it wouldn't work, but they don't want to give the Grizzlies Tobias or Beverly. That's that's too much. That's just I find that hysterical. Yeah, that's weird. Tobias Harris is still pretty young, so I can get if you're a Clippers fan wanting to hang on to him. But I, I think, though. yeah, and I would I was gonna say I think Doncic has more franchise player potential than Tobias Harris. I think he probably would have become a franchise player already if that was the case. And isn't it weird too that it seems I think if you look at big boards, where you remove like the draft from the equation everyone's going to have Luka Doncic and Jared Jackson as one and two of the best prospects, or maybe they're in the top three of just the objectively best prospects in the draft. And yet neither of them are expected to go first or second overall at this point. And we have rumors now about the Hawks at number three and the Grizzlies at number four trying to trade down. It is weird. Maybe these front offices know, something about the prospects that we're not privy to because, you know, for so many months, it was like this draft is stacked. Um, it goes 10 players deep and then you can find some good role players in the twenties. Um, and maybe that's why people are trying to trade down. Maybe they think I can still get a quality guy at like 10 or, or later, but for the longest time, it seemed like this is a draft that you wanted to be at the top of. I'm miffed by it. And you're right. Maybe they know something we don't. I would expect that to apply more to someone like Michael Porter Jr., who after his back issues all of a sudden had a hip injury that's apparently fine. That's the that's the person. Or Trey Young, who as soon as defenses kind of started to adjust to him, his shooting percentages just cratered to close the season. And we know he's he's smaller and is going yeah. to be a defense. You would, you would expect stuff like this in the spots that they're supposed to go. But when we're talking about what are supposed to be consensus, near unanimous, widely accepted potential franchise building blocks, it's just very, uh, it's, it's just very confusing. And there's, even, I've even seen Grizzly writers just talk about the number four pick in terms of it being a Chandler Parsons buffer, not even trying to get something of supreme value in return. And that's crazy to me. Yeah, I, I think number four should have plenty of value in this draft, especially if you're talking about Luka Doncic falling there. If that's who ends up being number four, that's that's tons of value. Unless they have intel that just shows the Suns are going to throw us all for a whirl and Igor Kokoskov is going to convince them to take. Yeah, Doncic. I've actually thought about that a lot. I, I wonder. curveball. I think it would be smart if you're just kind of <laughs> keeping everybody on their toes the whole time um, or not keeping them on their toes, kind of thinking – it's definitely Aiton, and then all of a sudden you throw everything into chaos that night. Um, I think that would be really smart. And I'm not ruling it out, because like you said, Kokoshkov, um, he coached Doncic on the Slovenian national team. And I actually think he coached him a little bit better than he's used on Real Madrid. 
he let him handle the ball, which is what he does for Madrid, but he also mixed it up and he had a lot of sets where Goran Dragic was the primary facilitator and he got Doncic doing some stuff off the ball that he doesn't really do for Madrid as much. And obviously he would have a chance to do that in Phoenix because they're not going to completely take the ball out of Devin Booker's hands. Um, so I, I think he could use those two pretty similarly to how he used Dragic and Doncic in Eurobasket. I'd love to see it. It would make the one team that it probably doesn't throw for a whirl is the Kings because it kind of makes their decision for them. Yeah. Because you know they're, they're going to take Aiton if the Suns... Yeah, that's yeah, that's for sure. Wouldn't it be great, though, if they went like full 2013 Cleveland Cavaliers and just pick someone who didn't even <laughs> factor prominently into the number one discussion? Uh, the Suns? Yeah, that would be spectacular. I wonder who that would be. Bagley, maybe? I think Bagley so, would be the pick because I, I guarantee you, even though people would be shocked... That they'd talk themselves into Jaron Jackson Jr. at number one if he went. Be yeah, nuts if it was just Bamba. That. Like that'd be yeah, like that'd be crazy too. So I've got two questions that will we can keep going on this discussion actually. Um, one is from K squared, and his handle is a little shindig. <laughs> <laughs> He asks, in what order do you have Bagley, Bamba, Jackson, and Carter? And then the other question is from Sebastian Drabow. Hopefully I'm saying that right. D-R-A-B-O-W. And he asks, what's your mock draft look like? And in lieu of a mock draft, I just kind of did like a top 10 big board, which will also encompass where I have Bagley, Bamba, Jackson, and Carter. So I think we can knock both of these out at once. Um, this might be kind of hard for you to do on the fly. Maybe I should have prepped you for it. But here's my top 10 um, at this moment. And it's, you know, we're less than a week away from the draft, but this stuff is still subject to change. I, I think Luka Doncic is number one uh, for me. Jaron Jackson, number two. DeAndre Ayton, third. Mohamed Bamba, fourth. Wendell Carter, fifth. Marvin Bagley, sixth. Trey Young, seventh. Michael Porter, eighth. Zaire Smith, ninth, and Kevin Herter, 10th. Kevin Herter seems high. I was wondering if, yeah, that's that's the one that's kind of weird <laughs> in my list. I just think a 6'7 guy that can shoot as well as he can. Um, some of the video I've seen of him looks a lot like Clay Thompson. Like he'll be running full speed around a screen, catch the ball, not centered up to the rim, but by the time he releases, he's like perfectly centered or squared. Mm. Um, it just, it looked a lot like Clay Thompson. And I thought if, if you can get now it's, it's asking a lot to, to say that would he one day be a on ball defender <laughs> like Clay Thompson? Cause Thompson is one of the best we have in the game at that. So maybe, maybe the comp kind of dies when you go to the defensive end, but just the way that he shoots reminded me a lot of Clay Thompson. And I'm, like I said, I'm all in on positionless, and I want guys who are like six, seven, six, eight, and can shoot the ball. Did you have Wendell Carter in your top ten? Yeah, I have him fifth, and I'm I was uh, all those that clump of big guys in the middle, like Aiton, Bomba, Carter. I could probably be talked into moving a bunch of those guys either direction. Um, I think it's really, really close. I think Jaron Jackson is sort of a clear tier above those guys for me um but then like i said ayton bomba carter even bagley I, I think is kind of a kind of a hodgepodge in there in the middle 
So Doncic is like my tier one. Jackson is my tier two. I'll say Aiton, Bamba, Carter, and Bagley are tier three. And then Young, Porter, Smith, and Herter are tier four. Uh, and Zaire Smith, is he's higher for me than a lot of other big boards, too. Um, statistically, was a monster as a freshman at, at Texas Tech. He's a, he came in a little bit shorter at the Combine than people expected, but he's a freakish athlete. And I, I still think he could play some wing just because he's he's so explosive of an athlete. I'm interested. I'm kind of the whole Zier Smith, I feel like should be higher on most mock drafts. They have him going so late in a, yeah, some, he's, of them, some of them don't even have him going in the lottery. Yeah, I've seen that too. And he's a uh, hold on. Let's see how fast I can pull this up, and maybe you can ramble while I'm looking. I don't have no idea what you're trying to pull up, but that sounds, <laughs> that sounds really good to me. It's um, uh, I, I'm going to pull up box plus minus this season for freshmen who played at least 500 minutes. And if I just talk, it won't seem like too much space because I'm almost there already. Um, number one, I'm sure you can. Well, maybe you can guess. Sorry. Are you asking me to guess? I was like... Yeah, because... Okay, now it's loaded. Um, do you have a guess or do you just want me to tell you? Just tell me. Number one among freshmen in box plus minus, Jaron Jackson Jr. at 15.4. And I did some comps the other day where I was looking at guys who had like pretty much the same offensive box plus minus and defensive box plus minus. And we're in the same class in school. The guy who matched up with Jaron Jackson Jr. was Joel Embiid, which was super interesting. Um, number two this year was Wendell Carter, and number three was Zaire Smith. Um, I had no idea Carter would be that high. Yeah, he was really good. And I, I've done some side-by-side stuff with Marvin Bagley. And obviously Bagley scored more. And I think he, I mean, he was just dubbed the guy when he got to Duke, but I think Wendell Carter in a lot of ways was more efficient. I think he's a better passer. Um, that's one thing that's super intriguing to me about Carter. He had a 13% assist percentage, uh, and that's going to be super important in the NBA going forward. If you have a big that can pass, I think that changes a lot for you, but that's the top three. Number four is Trey Young. Number five is uh, Muhammad Bamba. Ayton was seventh. Bagley's eighth. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander was 11th. Obviously, this is just one data point. Like, I'm I'm not basing my big board on who finished first in box plus minus, but I think it's it's super interesting. That is super interesting. Um, the I so I had a pretty clear top five built because that was one of the things I had earmarked. So while you had been talking, I think I put together what I would have as my my ten. So I have Donkins and Jackson, and eight and one, two and three, like you did. I have Michael Porter Jr. at four. I have Wendell Carter at five, Bamba at six, Begley at seven. This is where I might start to go off the rails. Uh, I have Shea Gilgius Alexander. I like him too. I'm a big fan of him. Then followed by Smith. And then I, I really grappled over whether to put Trey Young or Mikael Bridges to wrap it up. I For the NBA, the direction, I lean toward Bridges. But you have a guy who's been in college longer than everyone else, and I just feel like that kind of limits his upside a bit more. I'm not sure how rational 
that is, where maybe he comes in and he's better right off the bat, more polished. But Trey Young, it's not even that he can just get flat-out buckets, but when you look at the film from Oklahoma or even just the games that we know some people actually watched, he specialized in making something out of nothing. And I think that there is supreme value in that in today's NBA. And I get the size concerns, which is why it's probably important for him to end up in the right situation. It would be really interesting to see him fall to Cleveland, in my opinion, if LeBron stays. They don't necessarily have the defensive personnel to cover up for him, but he's the close. Imagine him as your secondary ball handler in that Kyrie Irving role. That's kind of scary yeah. to me. The Magic are the most popular destination for him, and they actually really work because you look at what they're kind of building there or have the ability to build there defensively with Isaac and Gordon in the front court, and you still have Jonathan Simmons who you can run at the the two, three spots next to Young, that would be interesting to me as well. Um, Trey Young had 11.2 offensive box plus minus this season. And college basketball reference tracks box plus minus back to like 2010-11, I think. The, the tied for second highest offensive box plus minus is in the whole database. Arlonzo Ball and D'Angelo Russell at 8.7. So, so not, even, <laughs> not even close to uh, Trey Young's 11.2. And th- that's just among freshmen. Um, so that's crazy to me. Uh, there's, there's some more complex formulas out there, like Jacob Goldstein's player impact, plus minus, just absolutely destroys Trey Young's defense. Um, and, just, and just box plus minus, he's plus 0.5 um so that's probably a little misleading if you've watched him play and then the player impact plus minus gives him like an historically bad um score on the defensive end so that's i think certainly an issue but his offense is super intriguing to me um and i like shea gilgis alexander too he's like a combo i i could see him running a lot of offense a combo one two type of guy and i think that's super important now um I think a lot of times with positionless, we focus on guys who can play two through four. And I think the next wave might be guys who can play one through four. So, so that's interesting to me. Um, one player that neither one of us had in our top 10, but is kind of rising in mock drafts like Givenies, and I think he rose in Kevin O'Connor's, is Miles Bridges. Um, do you have any thoughts on him? I, I like... He doesn't – the, the thing, and I've run into this with Mikael Bridges a little bit too, I just wonder what they're going to be able to do offensively outside space the floor. Yeah. Do you view I've, either of those guys who can really run from the point of attack? Um, I, I would say more so with Miles Bridges. I, I need to watch more of him. Um but I, I think he's slightly more explosive. I think Mikael Bridges, the length, is really intriguing with him. And then the thing you said about him being older, I think that is valid, especially if the guy hasn't dominated until he's like a year or two older than everybody else. Um, and I want to look that up, too, to make sure I'm not like speaking out of turn. So what I usually do with guys who are like juniors or seniors is I'll go back and look at their freshman, sophomore Box plus minus, and in in Bridges' case, it's actually really good. So maybe we don't have to worry about that as bad. Um, in his first season with Villanova, he had an eleven and a half box plus minus and an eighteen point four per and a point six three three true shooting percentage. 
So maybe maybe I shouldn't be worried about his age as much as I am because he's been he's been a monster every year he's been in college. It ha- it didn't just explode in this last season. I think it's just tough for me to I uh, I would put him. He seems like a con- consensus like top ten big board guy. I'm just uh, that I think that was just me like arbitrarily trying to find a reason to make sure I put Trey Young in there since I just think he deserves to be there. Although his over his final eleven games in Oklahoma, Trey Young thirty six point one percent shooting, twenty five point nine percent from three on nine point eight attempts. There was nothing around him. That's, I think that factors yeah. into it too. But his wingspan is six foot three, and the my my final quick point on Shea Alexander. He kind of, to me, because of what he can do. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. We do it right, too, with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more. For kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. I think he could end up being that half court initiator in addition to uh, what he could do off the ball offensively and then switching defensively. It's almost like if you combined Lonnie Walker with Mikael Bridges, you would get Shea Alexander. I like that. And like I said, I'm, I'm pretty high on him. He's, um, he's not in my top 10, but he's, he would certainly be pushing. And like I said, a lot of this can change. Do you have any um, thoughts on Wendell Carter? I feel like I've been, too indifferent to him and I'm I'm wanting to put him in my top 10 I think he even ended up in my top five just because I appreciate someone his size who can also be a playmaker but I'm also wondering whether is he the defensive guy to do that he seems like he's going to need to be more reliant upon team schemes than just be this expert reader or switcher himself I like him a lot um I have him ahead of Bagley and like I said, I could that that bunch of like Aiton, Bamba, and Carter. I could have any three of those or any one of those guys at the top of that three, and that includes Carter. Um, like you said, and like I said earlier, it's the passing is really intriguing to me. He had a thirteen assist, thirteen percent assist percentage, and he's a good shot blocker too. Um, Two point one per game, uh, three point one per forty minutes. He's his per 40 minute numbers are crazy. 20 points, 13 and a half rebounds, three assists, 3.1 blocks, 1.2 steals. Uh, he really does do a little bit of everything. He even shot 41% from three. Uh, he's a guy that's super intriguing to me, uh, especially if he's playing the five. I, I think going forward, you're going to want teams are going to want guys who are not, maybe not exactly like Al Horford. Cause that's, that's hard to replicate, but guys who at the five, aren't exclusively rim runners or rim protectors. They, they do those things. Plus they can hit a three plus they can pass. Um, and five years ago, or even a couple years ago, that would have seemed like 
insane to think that one player could have that size and all those skills. But now I think we're starting to see those guys infusing themselves into the league. Muhammad Bamba might even become one of those guys, at least in terms of shooting. I don't know if his passing will ever get there, but we're going to see more and more skilled big men. I think Wendell Carter might be the prototype right now. You sold me on Wendell Carter. He was just like <laughs> a reflexive top five inclusion for me. I'm unbelievably low on Bagley, which is. I, I, I'm like really up and down on him. The raw production is super impressive to me. That same sort of player comparison thing that I did with a bunch of the guys. And I mentioned that, that Jaron Jackson's comp was Joel Embiid. Marvin Bagley's comp is Ben McLemore. Oh, good. And he might end up with the Kings, who also have Scal, who I feel like was supposed to turn into the player that everyone believes Bagley is coming in. Yeah. And so hopefully, I I feel bad for whoever goes to the Kings. Because uh, <laughs> seriously, that's just been... When was the last time a well-regarded guy went to the Kings and, and like became what he was supposed to be? The Marcus Cousins, basically? Yeah, I guess we could say Cousins, but even him... And it's 2BD on Bogdanovich and, and De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, Bogdanovich looks good, and Fox had some really nice moments last year. Cousins, statistically, has been great, but if he had been in a, in a better organization early, does he have the same um, psychological issues that he has right now? I don't know. Uh, so Sacramento is... Uh, it's an interesting spot for any of these guys to wind up in. I have two. I actually have three, but one we kind of already answered, but I'm going to throw it out the question, just let him know that we read it, and it was on my list. Uh, why is Donkic slipping in most mock drafts? Came from Andrew Streeter. That's at Andrew Streeter underscore afterwards. And we already answered that, so hopefully he was listening. You're on the Kings, which is why I want to ask this question, and I also just want to make sure that we don't, overkill the draft here when we're going to talk about it next week as well what are the chances the kings take michael porter jr or donkic at, at number two this comes from go big or go home at less underscore knows underscore best and we've kind of danced around it but do you think there's do you think there's a chance they would take either of them or would they be more likely to trade down for a porter and just trade out of, of the Donkish spot if another team really wants him. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Like you said, we kind of answered the Donchich question already. I think the other thing is, I've heard a lot of people say that he's struggled recently in play in, in the Euro League, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that he's been playing nonstop for a year and a half now, <laughs> going back through even before last summer's Euro basketball. So he and that's I mean it's a ton of basketball for and, and very 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 high level basketball for an eighteen or nineteen mm -hmm. year old and if if slipping is him winning the Euro League MVP and Final Four MVP then by all means slip um, so I think that's part of it too it, and like we both said he's not slipping for us it's it's just kind of weird that he seems to be slipping in the minds of some front offices as for what the Kings will do I. <laughs> I could see them doing any number of things. This is, to me, still a fairly unpredictable front office. Um, I don't know if we have an idea of what Vladi Divac's philosophy is. Um, 
I could see him taking Porter. I could see him shocking people and, and taking somebody that we don't expect to see there, kind of like a, uh, like you said, an Anthony Bennett type thing. Um, that even that might be like Michael Porter at number two because of all the health stuff. I, I think him going that early might be surprising. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> really hard for me to forecast what they're going to do just because I don't, I don't really know if I have a feel for what Sacramento stands for right now. I don't think they would take either of them at, at number two. And, and to you think me, they're still locked into like one of the American big men? Yeah. Or that, or they'll, they'll trade down or something. And if they were going to take one, my guess would be, it'll be Donkic because then that would probably signal that they're going to trade him or something. I just, I actually wouldn't be as mad though, or as shocked if they took MPJ just because I've seen a few mocks and it makes sense if, if Donkic is off the board and the Grizzlies are on the clock at four. They need someone like Porter Jr. And how much, for, how far can you trade down and ensure that one, he'll still be there, but then two, also make it worthwhile? What team is going to give you value to move up two spots when you're outside the top three or three spots or something like that? And even moving down three spots to number seven, is he even there? Because I could see, I could see the Magic talking themselves into Porter Jr. over. Trey Young. And could you, by the way, could you imagine that defensive trio of Isaac, Porter, and Gordon? So I think MPJ, you could stick him at small forward and it won't turn out as poorly as it did for Aaron Gordon. But those three could basically just switch everything. Yeah, that's true. That is very intriguing. He's kind of like, he's he's sort of the bellwether for this draft. It's like, what's going to happen? After, I mean, how far can you go up? How far can you go down? I was just thinking while you were talking, do you remember the Perry Jones year? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think Michael Porter will fall. I don't, where did Perry Jones end up getting picked? Like 30th? Um, he's not going to fall that far. Uh, but where do you realistically think would be like the lowest or the, the furthest he would fall? There's Is there no- any way he gets out of the lottery? No, there's, they would have, if, if he does, people would have to be incredibly concerned with his, his health. There would have to be something if he falls out of the lot, because if if we're talking worst, worst, worst case scenario, there's no way he get he gets past New York or Philly at nine or 10. And I'm, I kind of want to put the bulls at number eight as his floor because they need wings so badly. And if he's there, it means that Trey Young probably went to Cleveland or Orlando. Are you going to take Bridges over MPJ at that point? And if, even if they do, again, I would be shocked to see him slip outside the top 10. I would even be fairly surprised to see him fall out of the top, I'm going to say, 8. Because the Cavaliers are a wild card at 7. Yeah. I would just say it it depends. It seems like a lot of teams are doing their own intel on his health situation over the next few days. Um, And I guess it just kind of depends on what those reports bring back. Bad hips have, uh, they have kind of a scary recent history. A hip pretty much derailed Isaiah Thomas's career. So why don't we give the guy a year? Oh, I know. Crapping all over his legacy. <laughs> God. Unless, unless they find something in that medical report that's like it's a chronic hip problem. Um, that's scary if I'm a front office. The back is scary too, just because it's the back as well. Yeah, 
the back is back issues for any athlete are. And um, you also have to wonder: Did he come back too soon just so he could play sub sixty minutes of college basketball? Yeah, there's no way he should have played this season. No, there was there, there was, was because I don't think he would have. He didn't do anything to improve his stock. No, it was he looked he looked slower than he did in the high school film. Um, he just he didn't look like himself. He didn't help his team at all. Maybe uh, it was more about he, the the workouts and the pro days that he ended up having to cancel one. But I think he, I think he's actually having it today as we record this now. Maybe that was, yeah, more that was a weird, sure was, it was, that was a weird series of reports. It was like <laughs> this workout's canceled and the sky was falling. And then within hours it was like, okay, he's got an MRI and it's fine. Workouts are back on. I thought that was, that was interesting. Are you ready for a non lottery draft question? This is the last uh, I think draft question I have bolded. Okay. Uh, and I, this is, comes from Martel Peegs. Um, and I don't know why I'm not staring at the question anymore. Where did it go? Oh, who should the wizards draft at number 15 Martel pegs? I hope I'm not mispronouncing it. It's at three Marty P fellow bleach report employee. So shout out to him. I have a very definitive three player big board for them, but I'm, I'm curious to see who you have. Number 15, I'm pulling up my my own little list. The last mock draft I did had Kevin Knox to them, but I'm not I haven't updated this in a while and I'm not sure he's going to be available. My pick 15. My pick would be Smith and then Zaire Knox, Smith. And I would pick him even if Knox was on the board. Um, but if I have Zaire Smith going 14th to Denver in the last one, so he's not there. Um, and so my second choice for them, I'm putting Knox because I think if he's still there, I I believe Washington, even though John Wall laments their lack of athleticism up front, I just feel like they need more wings, like depth at the wings behind Porter, someone other than Kelly Oubre Jr. You don't know what's going to happen. With Mark with Markeith Morris after this year, he's an expiring contract. Kevin Knox would be a hedge kind of against both. I view him as more of a four, but he could defend threes, certainly. And then my, my third pick, which I actually want to make my first pick for them, but I think it would cause too much turmoil because John Wall seems to be a very sensitive character, is, <laughs> is Shea Alexander. Just because he has, I think his wingspan was seven foot. Like he came in with a seven foot wingspan. He can defend threes. And you even said that you could envision if you're going to throw your five best players on the quarter, maybe he's this guy who could defend certain fours. And that's not, he's lankier, but we talk about Luka Doncic the same way. They're both 6'6", I believe. We talk about Doncic possibly defending some small ball fours because he has just the girth, but you look at Shea has the length to do something like that. But he certainly can play the two and the three. And if you have Porter as your four, that's, I, I would find that super intriguing. I just, because he's classified as a point guard, I just feel like that would cause all kinds of issues in Washington. And they've never really seemed like an organization that's at the forefront of player innovation. And again, I think that there would be, I could see John Wall tweeting like a bunch of question marks and emojis if they picked Alexander, just because <laughs> he, he played a lot of point guard at Kentucky. Yeah, that. I'm sure that would draw a reaction. I'm with you. I think I would probably want like a multi-positional wing at that spot. And I think there's going to be 
a few of those guys available because there's there's going to be a big run on big men at the beginning at least if it's at least if it goes the way that the media kind of expects it to go right now and then there's there's a good amount of wings in the middle of the draft you mentioned Knox Miles Bridges might be there um Gilgis Alexander Troy Brown is an interesting one I think you talked about him a few episodes back in love um, with Troy Brown I'm hoping he falls to San Antonio Kevin Herter will probably be there at 15. There's going to be a bunch of interesting wings. Um. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. We do it right, too, with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more. For kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Lowe's knows you'll do it right. And do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. We do it right, too, with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more. For kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. In that range. Isn't it, isn't it also weird, by the way, that we're – this kind of circles back to our big man discussion. There are so many of them available in free agency that you're going to be able to get on a beggar's dime. It makes it even more odd to me that we're talking about so many bigs in the top of the draft. Maybe it's a little bit different because you're looking for building blocks there and these teams aren't trying to win now, but a team like the Wizards, it's almost like, why would you even reach for a big? Or let's say Robert Williams is available. Why would you even take him? Because you're a team that wants to win now and the free agency market's going to yield something in the bargain bin. Yeah, although at 15, you're, you're paying like bargain bin salary for somebody too. If you could get a contributor, I just feel like wings makes, are harder to find as bargains. Yeah, so. that's true. That's that's very true. Um, all right, I've got. This is going to be a big change of pace. Boston burner at BOS one zero burner, best power forward of all time. Tim Duncan's the center. That's my answer. That's. So that's interesting because <laughs> my first thought when I read that was, well, it all depends on how we classify Tim Duncan. And I think I, I'm, I'm going to say he's a center too, so he's out. It has to be Kevin Garnett, right? He played actually played a majority of his minutes at power forward. He's certainly in the discussion. Um, I did like a week or so back, I did the average ranks thing that I always do. And I took guys who were in the top 200 all time in um all seven or all five metrics so it was box plus minus wins over replacement player win shares win shares per 48 and per you had to be top 200 in all five to qualify and there was only 81 guys in the history of the league who did that um here are the highest power forwards by average rank in those five number one is charles barkley and he's number six overall uh, number two is Dirk Nowitzki, surprisingly. And I think he's helped out by the cumulative stats there, like wins over replacement player and win shares, just because he has been around for a long time. Um, number three among power forwards is Carl Malone, and he's 15th overall. And number four among power forwards was Kevin Gar- Garnett, and he's 17th overall. 
Tim Duncan, for what it's worth, is third overall. The only players ahead of him are LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Kudos to Dirk and his longevity for that. I'm it's sur- incredible. I'm actually yeah. surprised that. Um, I'm sorry. I'm actually surprised that Kevin Garnett ranks so low. I am too. I wondered if it was like maybe he had an extended run at the end of his career where the numbers were just you know not what they were initially. And I'm going to look it up right now because his like first several years in Minnesota were just insane. Um, he led the league in box plus minus a couple years. He led the league in wins over replacement player three straight years. But down the stretch, um, he was below average for his last three seasons. So really not that long. I, I'm kind of surprised he's that low too. The The only guys ahead of where Dirk wound up was surprising to me. Um, one through 17, which is where Garnett is. One is Michael Jordan, two, LeBron James, three, Tim Duncan, four, Magic Johnson, five, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he would be higher, um, but box plus minus is only tracked back to 1973, so this doesn't even include his first three seasons. So I think he would probably be higher if box plus minus went back further. Barkley is sixth, David Robinson seventh, Chris Paul eighth, um, and when I posted this, people had a fit over that. They thought he was too high, and they they figured it was like my personal rankings or something. That's why the NBA <laughs> math draft, the grades I've been slaughtered in. Yeah. Um, people don't understand how good Chris Paul is and was. Um, Shaq is ninth. Hakeem is 10th. Dr. J, 11th. Kevin Durant, 12th. Already pushing the top 10, which is pretty crazy. And if he plays at the level he is now for a few more years, he'll be top 10. Larry Bird, 13th. Dirk, 14. Carl Malone, 15. Kobe Bryant, 16. Uh, Kevin Durant, 17. Uh, Stephen Curry, 18. So Stephen Curry's pushing up there, too. Yeah, these are definitely your own personal rankings because there's no way that <laughs> Stephen Curry could be up there. Um, so did you, you're going to settle on Kevin Garnett, best power forward of all time? I feel like I'm disrespecting Dirk there a little bit, but when you look at Garnett's defense and his passing and he was he was a floor spacer without ever really being a floor spacer do you remember when he was miscast as a small forward at first it was like earlier in his career yeah he was there was a while when he was like running breaks (laughs) so he was very much ahead of his time bleacher report actually had me write an article about him like maybe six months ago now um and it was the directive was like just write anything positive about Kevin Garnett, <laughs> and so what I did was just write about how he was like a precursor to what we see now. The stuff that he did in the like late nineties, early two thousands was just it was borderline unheard of for big for big guys, and now big guys have to be able to do some of the stuff that he did. He yeah, he's not like necessarily an art. He you know what it is? I think Dirk Nowitzki had. I don't even know why I full named him there just now. Like people were going to forget who Dirk is. Anyway, he <laughs> seemed to have more of an impact. He revolutionized. Yeah. Just because of the floor spacing and what big men could do for it. Um, that that would be the case for him. And then there's the, uh, his longevity has been, I mean, he's good even now. Uh, it, it would be tough. I think I would go Garnett. What would you, where are you at? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna upset my my jazz fans who follow me. 
Um, By not picking Carl Malone? Yeah. To me, it's between Barkley and Nowitzki. And Barkley, like, he has a pretty comfortable lead over the rest of those guys in just the, like, raw regular season numbers category. Mm -hmm. And actually, now that I think about it, um, when I did these rankings, I included playoff numbers, too. So this is including Barkley's That's how you screwed over Kevin Garnett. That must, yeah, that's got to be it, actually. Um, that explains it. Because he would have way fewer um, of like the playoff win shares and playoff wins over a replacement player. Because he didn't really... How many times did they go to the playoffs when he was in Minnesota? Like twice? No, it was more than twice. Well, I'm going to look at that now. But there was that gap where it felt like they there, just couldn't. There was a long time, yeah. And they were the one seed one year. When he was in Minnesota, but you're right. That's that's how he felt. Yeah, I mean, so far. he made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, eight. he had he had eight in. playoff appearances in Minnesota. That was well, it was way off. Um, <laughs> Would you say two? That's actually yeah. I don't. That's impressive. Maybe I'm like off. yeah. I was conflating him with Kevin Love or something. Yeah, you're so um, bitter about how they treated Kevin Love that now you're projecting. <laughs> I'm torn between Barkley and Nowitzki because Barkley has like. He's got the numbers argument. Nowitzki has a title, and he like won that title very much the way that the Twitterati would win, <laughs> want guys to win a title. <laughs> the Twitterati, uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> like, drag your own team to the finals, be loyal, never leave your team, and I think that's super impressive. So to me, it's probably between those two. I but I think that's a pretty good top four, Barkley, Nowitzki, Malone, and Garnett in, in some order. And we just we, we should probably clarify once more that we're yeah. classifying Tim Duncan as a center. And it sounds like you're doing the same. Yeah. And if Tim Duncan was like unequivocally a power forward, he's clearly number one. I kind of do have a question that falls along these same lines. And I'm sure you have it bolded because this seems like a very you question from Chris Pennington at Chris Penn. Oh. That's P E three N's was Kobe. Yes, ever- I do have this one. <laughs> was Kobe, And it, it's kind of like in theme with this powerful conversation. Yeah. Was Kobe ever the best player in the league? And the answer is no. I have a question for you. And I feel like knowing you with the stats, you would realize this. Do you know how many times in his career he ranked in the top three of VORP wins over replacement? Whatever um, you call it. That I so what I did when I saw this question was I just looked at to see if he's ever led the league in those things. He's never led the league in box plus minus win shares per forty eight or per. So I don't know how many times he's been in the top three of wins over replacement player. I'm gonna say, um, I'm gonna say two, one. And here I was tempted to say zero. <laughs> here's that I think I saw this going around on Twitter. I, I so I saw the question come in and that I didn't realize that. Dave Dufour had posed the question and that it became, I didn't realize it was this Twitter argument. I was immersed in something I was working on and trying to file. I saw a lot of the responses, which were kind of valid that it had more to do with the, the era than with Kobe himself, because you had Tim Duncan and you had yeah, Shaq LeBron. and you had, then you had LeBron and there was just that segue. Here's, here's my counterpoint to that. The best player in the league is still the best player in the league that he didn't do that is there. You don't get to use caveats in that conversation because no, you know what? The other, on the flip ahead. side, Tim Duncan had to go up against Kobe. LeBron yeah. had to go up against prime Kobe. It's or prime ish Kobe at some point. No, I would say prime Kobe. So 
okay, it's fine, but you can't. I you, to me, you just can't use those as caveats. And even there were years where Shaq was better. There was, I think, there were a few seasons where Tracy McGrady was clearly better than Kobe Bryant. And so, statistically, yeah, st- statistically. So it's just the five championships, uh, whatever. Like that's on his resume. And I don't. I'm not trying to dilute those or downplay those, but. You don't get to build if you're going to use the rings argument to place him somewhere in the pantheon of all time greats. You don't get to then use the caveat, well, oh, well, he had to play during LeBron's, like the beginning of LeBron and the 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 heart of Tim Duncan's prime, and Kevin Garnett sprinkled in there, and and Shaq and blah 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 blah. You don't get to do that. Yeah, and I was just thinking, he wouldn't have been the best player in the league if he had been drafted 10 years earlier then he's then he's up against Jordan um 10 years later he's up against a longer LeBron run um 80s he's got Magic and Larry Bird there who I think are both were both better than him um that's because they were the other thing I the other thing I looked up on this question was in his MVP season uh Kobe was sixth in box plus minus at 5.4 LeBron had an 11.2 box plus minus that year, more than double. Uh, Chris Paul was 9.2. Manu 8.1. Kevin Garnett 7.4. Yeah, he had it. I don't think people understand how good he is statistically. Um, it's been a long time, probably like a year, a year and a half now. But I once put up a career comparison of Manu and Kobe, and people lost their minds. Um, oh, you think? <laughs> but he is. He was ridiculous for a long, long time. And Chauncey was also ahead of Kobe Bryant that year. Um, and just just having these discussions <laughs> opens up the, oh, you just you hate Kobe. You don't know anything about basketball. You've never played. You don't watch ball. Um, but th- these are just things that are objectively true. There's nothing wrong with being like a top 15 to 20 player in the history of basketball. I don't, I don't know why people take that as such a slight to him. It, it's it's fine to be objective about this stuff. <laughs> I don't. It's and but you know what the problem is is I, look I have a problem with the Kobe and the his history the the rape case and everything like that's something I've never really been able to reconcile and it makes me feel weird when I'm writing about him or when I needed to do legacy talks. Uh, it's if he's going to be put even in the top forty all time like that's super impressive. The other and this yeah. was the other thing I looked up by the way I forgot to mention this. Of the five championships that the Lakers won with Kobe, how many times was he their sole leader in wins over replacement? Vorp, whatever you want to call it. Their sole leader. I think I've looked this up before too, and I'm it's is it one? Yeah, two thousand nine. He was Shaq was better, had a higher one than him twice, and then they were tied once. I forget the year, and then him and Powell tied in twenty ten. He was clearly the guy in two thousand nine. Is that regular season or playoffs? Playoffs. This was what yeah. I was looking at. So, and I'm just, if we're going to use the titles to prop him up, I think that that's worth noting that Shaq was more valuable to the Lakers, arguably for two of those title runs. And oh, I, you could say I, I all three. You could that's comfortably fine. say all three. Yeah. And there's, yeah. I, I think you can, uh, 2009, 2010 Pow to me was probably just as valuable to the Lakers as Kobe Bryant was. You just look yeah. at what his usage was super low relative to a star that Pow had like a 21% usage. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. 
We do it right too, with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more. For kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. We do it right, too, with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more. For kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. In the playoffs, he had a 4.2% block rate, uh, almost 15 assist percentage. He His win shares per 48 minutes during that playoff run absolutely destroyed Kobe's. He beat Kobe in box plus minus. It's He was more valuable to them defensively, particularly the, how the NBA was playing at that time. I think that you can comfortably make a case that Kobe was not the most valuable player on four of his five championship teams. Yeah, I think you can too. And I, I actually kind of like the Lakers in that 08, 09, 10 range. And this was long before I started caring much about numbers. And I watched a lot of those games. And when you just watch them, it's like he's easily the best player. Um, so to look at it in hindsight was really interesting to me because from more of an objective standpoint, maybe that's maybe he wasn't so clearly their best player. And I think Pau Gasol is just, and especially that era of Pau Gasol is, is wildly underrated. Um, all right, I've got another one. We might have, should we start doing quick hitters? Yeah, let's uh, try and do, we're, about, we're at about an hour now. Let's see if we can do 10 minutes worth of quick hitters. Okay, I've got some quick hitters for you. Um, Joe Coombs at attack underscore of the Joe. Dante Exum, for 36 minutes last season, averaged close to 18 points and 7 assists per game. We know how he changes the game defensively. What are the chances he's the third star Rudy and Donovan need? Um, I'm not sure. Do you want, let, me, let me take the bullet on this one. There, okay. is, there is a sub-zero chance he is the third star that the Jazz need. Because- I don't know about sub-zero. I might give him like a four five percent chance i think it's really low he needs to do uh, so much more off the ball as yeah for sure it's just i don't see it happening here's my only i don't so i don't necessarily think he's going to be a star i think we can say that there's a good chance he'll be a rotation player his per went from 5.7 to 8.5 to 16.7 um his win shares per 48 went from minus 0.003 to 0.046 to 0.133 so he's definitely trending up but I think I think star potential <laughs> it may have flown. I'm not I'm not gonna say sub zero, but it's it's really low. We're talking about star. I'm not trying to discredit there's I, Yeah, for sure. I, he's not turning into a star. I I would be shocked. He'll be a val- he could be a valuable rotation player and his defensive switchability, if he's ever able to stay healthy, we're looking at someone who could probably defend up to some power forwards just with his length. He was incredible against Harden in the playoffs. Some of the numbers that he had on him were were unreal, and he was stonewalling drive after drive. Can I um, use a quick hitter for you because it involves the yeah. Jazz? I actually have two of them. Do you have both of these circled? We'll see. 
do you think the Jazz can win a championship with Ricky Rubio as the starting point guard at R-I-Z-Z-H-I-I underscore Siberian? I didn't even want to try and butcher the the name there. Um, if Donovan Mitchell is a top five player in that year. <laughs> the, answer is, the answer is yes, because if you have Don, if Donovan Mitchell is your two guard and this is because the lines of the positions become so blurred. Yeah. If, you have Don, if he's playing with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, yes, he can be your starting point guard to me. Yeah, I think I think Donovan Mitchell has legit top five player in the league potential. So if he if he gets there, Rudy Gobert is still kind of where he is at that point. And maybe you have one other guy who's like a top thirty to forty player. Then, then yeah. The other Jazz one, actually, I have a. Do you have another Jazz one that you have circled? Maybe we should because I have two more Jazz ones. Um, is PG an actual option for the Jazz? I you didn't know that, know that one was. I figured that was your burner. I just, I just said nope. Um, AKAH twenty four. I a lot of Jazz fans are pretty worked up about this, but I don't, I don't think there's a. This is where I'm going to go sub zero. There's no chance Paul George. Good basketball this. fit, but this is and this is so I'm going to lead into this. This is from Mark Lyons at R Mark Lyons L Y O N S. Which would be the better team, the Utah Jazz after signing LeBron or the Philadelphia 76ers after signing LeBron? Oh, I did see this one. Um, this was my favorite question, actually. This is hard. Uh, I think. I was going to say, I think Utah's still deeper, but they would have to... I, this is another article I just wrote for Bleacher Report, and they would have to really take apart their depth to fit LeBron, which is fine. Um, goodness gracious. I'm going, to say the, I'm going to be a homer and say the Jazz. I'm going to say the Jazz too, though, and do you want to know why? Because the pieces that they would keep and that are most important are going to complement LeBron fit. better yes. than what Philly yeah. do. Because you look at... Simmons and LeBron is an awkward fit. I don't care how you spin it or figure that talent figures things out. Embiid, he shot basically 30% on catch-and-shoot looks this year. That's not going to be the best fit alongside LeBron right away. Rudy Gobert lives to just set screens and operate. Maybe he doesn't live, but he's perfectly fine setting screens, operating off the ball. Donovan Mitchell, uh, I don't have these numbers in front of me, but he was, a, and I'll include this in this disaster tweet, I'm sure, he was super accurate as a spot-up shooter last year. That went unnoticed, and it's really funny because Colin Cowherd at Fox Sports just basically said that he couldn't shoot. And he was, was crazy. don't get me wrong, he was erratic, and they need him to shoot better on drives, but he was the focal point of an offense as a rookie. I just feel like, the, and it, Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles is the best, is one of the quintessential LeBron teammates, if there ever was one. So I just alluded to it, but Bleacher Report had me write an article. It was, it's entitled, um, Utah is the best free agent spot LeBron will never consider. And here's the cliff notes. Donovan Mitchell, if he's Dwayne Wade with a jump shot, I mean, the only reason that Wade and LeBron kind of clashed that first year is because there wasn't enough spacing. So you, you eliminate that issue right there because Donovan Mitchell can shoot regardless of what Colin Coward says. Um, Joe Ingles is, so LeBron, these are the clip notes again. LeBron's best two-man net rating this season came with Kyle Korver. Joe Ingles is Kyle Korver with a pick-and-roll and playmaking game um, and a better defender. Rudy Gobert, <laughs> Tristan Thompson's career highs in rebounding percentage, block percentage, and uh, 
defensive box plus minus, they're all lower than Rudy Gobert's career lows in all those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, not fair because Thompson plays for Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, I think it, I think it was just those three that I focused on. But but I remember as I was typing up this article, I thought I, I really talked myself into it. I was like. Oh, LeBron is going to join the Jets. He's going to read this article, and he's he's coming. Um, the fit is is crazy good with that team. Derek Favors is going to re-block you on Twitter for writing. That I know. Article. I'm so glad he unblocked me. By the way, oh, I've, he did I've, unblock you. Yes, he did. I and I don't know if anybody Jazz told Twitter him to or what. Like a, <laughs> a search, like a, Jazz Twitter or, or like Twitter in general got Ennis Canner to unblock me like a year or two ago, which I thought was hilarious. Um, it's amazing that Utah didn't dislike. And his canner so much because he seems his Twitter personality is so funny to me, and he's he's like he this wasn't cult like hero that. in New York now. And he Oklahoma wasn't like City. that in Utah though. And I think Utah's PR department tries pretty hard, or at least they did back then, to kind of like neutralize guys online. I don't think they do it as much now because Mitchell and Gobert were super active, and even Ingles on social media the last year. I think maybe they've toned it down a bit, but. He did not have this personality in Utah. I agree. He's hilarious now. I love when he like, I love when he pokes at LeBron because it's just hilarious to me. Um, all right, I have some more. Throw them. Quick hitters. Let's see. I bolded way too many jazz questions. I feel like you've turned me into. <laughs> just come join us. There's plenty of room. Uh, chances LeBron signs with an outlier, and he's got in parentheses New Orleans, Denver, Washington. I just think it's extremely unlikely um <laughs> that's sort of a reductive answer but i'm gonna take the dante exam answer from you and say where you're kind of almost saying sub-zero i'm gonna say the four or five percent because i do get annoyed when people are like well how come you didn't include new orleans in your article about lebron or how come you didn't include denver <laughs> i just think the absence of a sure thing to beat the warriors now or to still be around and to still be around when their window fades just makes him a wild card. And I could just, I could, there is a scenario, however much of a long shot, I'm going to say three, four, maybe percent that he could just be like, um, screw it, fuck it, I'm going to go to Denver. And the basketball fit there would be fantastic. But I, I could, in an alternate universe, maybe see it. You know what's interesting is a lot of those outlier teams, like Denver, and we just talked about Utah and New Orleans with Anthony Davis. Basketball-wise, those make more sense than some of the ones that are being floated right now like he would he would instantly be on a much better team with any of those that i just named than if he went to the lakers unless the lakers got like paul george and Kawhi leonard i wouldn't be sold on washington it depends on which of their big three they're giving up yeah john wall but and like LeBron and for new nice. orleans and utah those would all be instant title contenders right Denver and Utah would be great. My my thing with New Orleans, you have two top five guys with LeBron and Anthony Davis, but what does the depth around you look like after you're paying? I'm like, so this is how deep I think about these things, and it's you have Drew Holiday on the books for all that money. How do you get a supporting cast? If I ranked it, I'd say I'm going to say Utah would be the best with LeBron, followed by Denver, followed by New Orleans, and I'll just throw, I guess, Washington even in there as four. Right, here's a another lebron one seth roseman at seth zero Soros. best case scenario for any team in the league what realistic moves do you see a franchise is able to put together a team that can challenge the warriors this year my thought was if lebron goes to boston or houston that team is instantly challenging the warriors yeah i'm, I'm with you there 
I don't even, there's nothing even to add to that. I'm, the other thing to me would be, does Houston re-sign Ariza, get Bob Moot back, and then they're able to still just run it back? Yeah. But not just run it back, but are, are they then able to just add a, like a smaller piece somehow it, yeah. through there? If you get rid of Ryan Anderson's contract in a trade, I don't know that that target's out there. That would make you want to give up two or three first round picks in that scenario. But if they get rid, if they bring it back and then they're just able to add anybody, that would be, it doesn't even matter who the name is. I, I don't want it to be a big, but if you can add a wing, uh, something like a complimentary wing or even another guy who can initiate the offense but play a bunch off the ball, if they're able to do that, then I think that those are really the only, I guess, three scenarios LeBron to Houston. LeBron to Boston or the Rockets being able to do anything on top of running it back. I'm going to add LeBron to Utah too. I think they challenged the Warriors. Come at me. Um, people say this is from Doug Dimadome at the FN Siege. Uh, people say the Warriors have four Hall of Famers. Does Iguodala not have a, not have a case as well? He has a six. I was going to say he's got a 6.1% chance on Basketball References Hall of Fame probability, which was actually lower than I thought. He's 44th in NBA history in career wins over replacement player. Doesn't he kind of seem like this generation's Andre Karolinko? In a lot of ways, yeah. Who's I, I was going to say maybe Karolinko deserves a case too, but his his he lasted so much uh, shorter than Iguodala has. The other question that was on the Warriors, I'm, I'm sure you saw it, was people complain that the Warriors have four stars. Why do people complain that the Warriors have four all-stars, but then they also say Draymond yeah, Green would be one. a scrub elsewhere? That's from Trollden State, at Troll, D-E-N-S-T-A-T-E. <laughs> Somebody had a funny tweet about this like right after the finals, and it was, I'm going to butcher it, but it was like, Everyone complains about Kevin Durant, but he's also soft. Everyone complains about Draymond Green, but he would also be trash on another team. It was like all these, um, <laughs> there's all these juxtaposed arguments that people have against the Warriors, and there there is a lot of nonsense to it. I think the truth lies closer to <laughs> they have four stars and they're unbeatable. The it's, complaints that people have on lie. the other side. It, that's just the truth. I don't even think yeah. it leans more toward the truth. I have two, yeah, so go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, I have two questions that I just want one word answers from you on. Okay. Um, this is from Wilson, Wilson S at wild lar 21. Would you rather have Mark Jackson or Jeff Van Gundy as a coach? <laughs> um, I saw that one too. I was going to leave it alone. Um, <laughs> I'll say Van Gundy. I thought that was actually pretty easy. I'm surprised you grappled over it. Well, <laughs> I'm going to be mean now, but the reason I grappled over it is because Mark Jackson coaching would mean oh, we would. Oh, here we go. All right. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't hear much TV anymore. This is a combination question. Um, it's from the first version that I'm going to save is from, well, I'll give you this version. It's the second version of a first spinoff. It's from Joe Cooprider at Cooey Jupes, uh, Coey Jupes. I don't, I don't even, C-O-E-Y-J-O-O-P. Uh, S it, maybe it's Kobe J. Oops, I don't know. It could be anything. Who would you rather have, Jalen Brown or Brandon Ingram? Um, that's interesting. Was that in response to the other one that asked uh, Tatum or Ingram? Yeah, I just feel like most people would clearly say Tatum at this point. Yeah, so I I actually bookmarked the Tatum or Ingram Ingram one, and it was I 
I agree with you. It's clearly Tatum. The only thing that's kind of interesting about Ingram is the playmaking. Um, 4.2 assists per 36 was intriguing. But Brown is a year younger, and he's, he's already further ahead. Brown or Tatum, I think I'm still going Tatum. He just... What about Brown or Ingram, which was the actual question? Oh, oh, oh You've answered sorry. every single question. It's <laughs> the one that was posed. Um, oh, man, that's tough. That So that's probably the hardest of the three. I would lean toward, which is why I picked that one, because I figured I'm still closer on the Tatum-Brown debate than most people. I don't think it's, not that it's not particularly close between Ingram and Tatum, but we can't, the the playmaking for Ingram is good, but I, Tatum might never be granted yeah, every, freedom in Boston. And everything else with Tatum just blows Ingram away. I do go with Ingram over Brown, though. I Brown could very easily end up being the better pro still, but Ingram seems like he could probably have the higher ceiling, defend more power forwards, make more, even if Jalen Brown gets the opportunity to be more of a facilitator, I don't think he has that that level in him. And Ingram also seems like he'll be more, he already is more of just this pull-up shooter, comfortable taking floaters in the lanes. Even Hey guys, Clay Thompson here. I need to give a shout out to my mom. She said I should read the newspaper before games to take my mind off things. It's become a pregame ritual, but it also is how I stay informed. Keeping up on local news, sports, or just about anything, I read the paper. So should you. Whether it's digital or print, it doesn't matter. Go to clayoffer.com and subscribe today. Local news delivered your way, digital or print. Stay informed on news that matters to you. Go to clayoffer.com. Brought to you by the Mercury News, East Bay Times, and Marin Independent Journal. No, they're not going in right now. Yeah. I think um, I like that answer. That that Ingram probably has the higher upside. Um, All right, I've got a couple. Are you ready? Yes. Who is the best shooter the NBA doesn't know about? Joe Harris. Let's move on. I So Joe Harris was the first name that came into my mind, too. Um, but then I thought about it a little more. The shooter the NBA doesn't know about, J.C. Carroll in the EuroLeague, teammate of uh, Luka Doncic. <laughs> well, he's up there, too. Uh, Real Madrid's J.C. Carroll, 10 seasons in Europe. He's uh, He averages 12.4 points in his career, 21.1 per 36. 1.93s, 3.2 per 36, and his career three-point percentage over there is 43.8. His career free throw percentage is 87.5, and his career true shooting percentage is uh, .628. One of the best shooters in the world, bar none. And he's a Wyoming guy, so I have to shout him out. Um, we already did Tatum or Ingram. Okay, I only have one left. What? This is from Grant Williamson. At GT Williamson 33, what player is most poised for a breakout season next year? I saw this one. I didn't give it any thought. It's, this is a hard question. Um, I, I pegged a couple. If you if you want to hear, maybe that'll. Um, well, I have I have one going. that springs to mind. Okay. I feel like it's not going to be a popular one. Torian Prince. I don't. Yeah, I like that. He just looking at his late season upswing in scoring and as a passer. When you look at whatever's going on with Schroeder, if if he wants a trade, will they actually trade him? Will they kind of marginalize his role because they don't believe he's part of the rebuild? And if they're not going to take Donkic at number three, that's going to open up a lot of touches for Prince to trial by fire. I'm not sure he is a point forward, but we might see more of that, and I could really see him having just a monster season. That's a good call and one that I didn't think of. Um a name you just threw out across my mind, Joe Harris. And a breakout for him would be kind of relative because I don't think he's going to 
he would be come turning out and be into like, like a twenty point per game scorer, opposed to a fringe star. If he did yeah. break out, so if he averaged like this this past season, he averaged ten point eight points, had a true shooting percentage of point six three four, made almost two threes a game. Uh, I think if he if he bumped that average up to like fourteen or fifteen, and Where do you want him the to sign that that would happen? Is my yeah, I don't know. That's a good question because he might be going somewhere where he actually has a smaller role. So that's fair. But I, the craziest stat for him, by the way, is among players with I think it was at least I don't remember if it was fifty or hundred drives. He has the best driving field goal percentage in the league. LeBron is second. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I've probably we've every podcast we're going to throw out one Joe Harris. Stat. That's the new rule. So if he gets to like 14 or 15 points, and like you said, that probably depends on where he signs, I, I would consider that a breakout. Jamal Murray was another guy that I thought about. He already kind of broke out because he averaged almost 17 a game this year, but I could see him averaging like low 20s next year. And then one other guy that I'm still pretty intrigued by, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a breakout, is Buddy Heald. It just kind of depends on Ooh. how much uh, freedom Sacramento gives him because he had he quietly had a very good season. For them, he averaged, I think it was, I'm going to pull it up so I don't butcher it, um, 13 and a half points this past season and shot 43% from three. So I could see him like pushing up into the high teens next year as well. The I don't know if this would really count because he's only been in the league year, but Josh Jackson and Phoenix, particularly if they don't sign, a, sign or draft a point guard. Yeah. He could be. I, I was trying to avoid like rookie, rookie second yeah, year he guys. Would be, he'd be fair. Because there were. I was going through like a list of play. I just I just searched like leaders and wins over replacement player last year, and most of the names that jumped out were guys who were rookies this season. Um, what about Murray? Javante Murray is a good one. Oh yeah, that is a good one. I didn't think about him. If he if he like figures out how to be like average, true shooting wise, I think he would be really really good. Are you ready to give up on D'Angelo Russell in Brooklyn if he's staying healthy? Um. No, are you? No, I, I think he's less likely than most of the other people we named, but he he's still in that system specifically, and the way that they coach defensive effort into their players, it would not shock me. I Which is why it wouldn't, in turn, surprise me if they hammer out an extension now, because the Nets might just see him outplaying his value at some point and not want to have to deal with his restricted free agency as a result. Yeah, they might get him for a little bit less right now. I remember looking at his numbers when the season first started. And this is going to be a really small sample size. But before he got injured and left the roster for a long time, I'm going to do this by per 36 because Kenny Atkinson likes to play guys very few minutes. Um, before he got injured, D'Angelo Russell. So this is just the first 12 games of the season. 27.1 points, 7.4 assists, 6.1 rebounds, 1.3 steals per 36 minutes. Oof. And he shot 46% from the field. So the, then, yes, I was he's like... A, he's a very good candidate. <laughs> um, I just remember thinking at the start of the season, like, this is it. He's He has figured it out. He's in the right spot. And then he was out of the lineup for so long and when he came back he just wasn't quite that guy at the beginning of the year but I don't think it's impossible for him to get back to that level he needs to at least pretend he cares about defense though <laughs> yeah that would help um do you have any more 
I have more, but I think I think we've already gone 21 minutes over what we wanted to do. I, I think we call it. We gave. We definitely hit like 20 plus questions. So sweet. Um, thanks again for all these questions. Uh, I love doing the mailbags. I love the interaction with you guys. You send lots of good questions. It gets my uh, mind thinking about stuff other than the bar, which may or may not be a good thing. Um, <laughs> so, like Dan said at the top. Review the show, rate the show, share the show with your friends. Um, go to the nbamath.com slash shop and enter the promo code Benno, B-E-N-O, to get 15% off anything there. Um, until next time, we leave you with the shout-out to Kyle Anderson and Bino Udri. Mirai is Japanese for the future, and in the future, your commute will be less expensive because now you can get a special lease on a Toyota Mirai. Powered by hydrogen, it emits only water, and Toyota will cover three years' worth of your fuel costs up to $15,000. You'll also get three years' no-cost scheduled maintenance, HOV lane access, and may be eligible for a $5,000 state rebate. The future sounds pretty good, huh? Get your special lease on a Mirai today. See San Francisco Toyota or click the banner for details. Toyota, let's go places. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. We do it right, too, with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more. For kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.